In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Sodium chloride, salt, the compound found in seawater and sweat, searched out in mines and separated through sunshine. From ancient times, salt has been used to flavor food and until refrigeration to preserve it. Bacteria cannot thrive in high concentrations of salt. Did you know that wars have been fought over salt? But it is also a symbol of hospitality and it is necessary for life. Without it, your nerves and muscles could not function nor could your body maintain the proper balance of fluids. A sudden and extreme drop in uh, sodium levels can even kill you. You need salt to live. But when Jesus calls his disciples the salt of the earth, what on earth does he mean? And why does he warn them about losing their saltiness? What is he getting at? Ye are the salt of the earth, Jesus says. He says these things to the disciples at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, right after he has uh, finished the Beatitudes. And that's important, because the Beatitudes describe the life of the community that is gathered by and around Jesus, to use the words of Stanley Hauerwas, a community characterized by the things the Beatitudes describe, humility, meekness, mourning for sin, hunger and thirst for righteousness, Mercy, purity of heart, peacemaking. A community that, like its master, suffers for righteousness' sake, despised and rejected of men. But a community that shares also in its master's blessedness and joy, precisely in the midst of such suffering. Jesus says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, he says, for great is your reward in heaven. My point is that it's precisely to this community of disciples that he says, ye are the salt of the earth. That is, it's to the community of the Beatitudes that Jesus addresses these words. The disciples are the salt of the earth insofar as their lives answer to the description of the Beatitudes insofar as they are gathered by and around Jesus, and their lives come to reflect and display his character. But how are they the salt of the earth? Think about what salt does. To the ancients, the answer was pretty clear. For them, salt seasons and salt preserves. It makes the unpalatable palatable, and it keeps the perishable from perishing. Throughout most of human history, the only way to keep meat from spoiling was to salt it. And so salt pork, for example, nourished sailors over the ocean blue and pioneers as they traveled across the fruited plain. And salt preserves other foodstuffs too. It's a central ingredient in canning and in pickling. And I can remember very well summers in the hayloft at the farm when my father would stack newly baled hay and then scatter rock salt 
across it to keep it from molding. And when Jesus calls the disciples the salt of the earth, the emphasis seems to be on this preserving function of salts. It's preserving power. The community of disciples is meant to function as a sort of preservative for the whole human community. And it's for this reason that they have been gathered by Jesus and have begun a new life in association with him. In other words, the church exists, as the theologians say, for the life of the world. Listen to how St. Chromatius put it at the turn of the 5th century. Don't you love these names from church history? I wish we had names like that still. Chromatius says, The apostles are meant to season the world with the wisdom of the preaching of the gospel. They are thus made the salt of the earth because it is through them that we receive the words of wisdom and are transformed. Transformed when we are reborn by the water of baptism, by faith in Christ Jesus, and by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, passed from earthly things to a heavenly birth. And Chromatius continues in a a fairly vivid vein in this way. He says, when grains of salt are applied to meat, they prevent rot, carry away bad smells, cleanse it of filth, and do not allow worms to be produced. So too the heavenly grace and faith given by the apostles works in us in a like manner. It carries away the rot of carnal lusts, cleans out the filth of sins, eliminates the odor of evil lifestyles, and does not permit the worms of evil deeds to be produced. Isn't that great language? The worms of evil deeds. The salt of the gospel dries those up and prevents them from being formed. And the community of disciples, the church, have been salted by Christ because they have experienced the transforming and healing power that comes from him. And they're meant to season the earth through the wisdom of the preaching of the gospel. They're called, we are called, with St. Paul, to proclaim Jesus Christ and him crucified, and not only with our lips, but in their whole way of life, through lives transformed and made new in Christ Jesus, through lives that show what the redeemed human community would look like. We were going bad until Christ salted us and preserved our lives. If this is how the disciples are the salt of the earth, then what would it mean for the salt to have lost its savor? It could only mean, I think, that the community of disciples had somehow become indistinguishable from other human communities, that the church had become indistinguishable from the world. For the savoriness of the church lies in its distinctness as the community gathered by and around Jesus, sharing in his blessedness and also in his suffering. In the Gospel of John, Jesus tells the disciples, Ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. And then he adds, Therefore the world hateth you. Animosity directed toward the church can exert huge pressure to conform to the prevailing society. This, of course, is most clear when there are situations of outright persecution of the church, as has often been the case throughout history and is still the case around the world today. 
But there are also more subtle temptations to conformity. Perhaps the most insidious being the suggestion that it's just not cool or PC or you can fit in the adjective there to be a Christian in any serious sense. In other words, our Lord's warnings about salt losing its savor carry much the same force as what he says through his apostle St. Paul. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Ye are the salt of the earth, says Jesus. And again, ye are the light of the world. And in his calling his disciples the light of the world, it becomes particularly clear that if they are so, it is so because they have been illuminated beforehand by Christ Jesus, who is the true light. For he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If Christ is the son of righteousness, then the disciples are like the moon, reflecting his light to a darkened world. Any light that we have is not our own, but it comes from our master. It is his light that we display in the world. Pope Benedict said that the Beatitudes display the mystery of Christ. They show us a picture of Christ. They paint a portrait of his likeness. And in so doing, they call us into communion with him. And it's as we are drawn into communion with Christ, with Christ crucified and risen, and are transformed by the power of his resurrection, that we are made salt and light in this world. If we are the salt of the earth, it's only because we have first been salted, seasoned, preserved by the wisdom of Christ, by the message of the cross. And if we are the light of the world, it's only because we have been first enlightened by the Lord, who is our light and our salvation. The psalmist says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, which I will require, even that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the fair beauty of the Lord and to visit his temple. It is in doing this, in seeking the face of the Lord, in looking to Christ Jesus, in trying to imitate him, in being transformed by his spirit to do so, in being gathered by and around him, that we are made salt and light. And so let us look upon him and be radiant, as the psalmist says. Let us hear his words and do them, do whatsoever he tells us. And in this way, he will set us free from the bondage of our sins and give us the liberty of that abundant life which he has manifested to us, even our Savior Jesus Christ, who with the Father and the Holy Ghost lives and reigns one God now and forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.